The Fake Show is brought to you by Hash House Agogo, the law firm of Hutchison and Stefan, Bruce City Brand Apparel, The Food Connection, LV.com, and by Mr. Antenna. It's The Fake Show with Jim Tofty. Welcome to The Fake Show. It is that time of year. The Oscars are coming up this weekend, and it's always great to catch up with Gray Drake. She is the senior editor over at Rotten Tomatoes, and we'll get her knowledgeable point of view. Gray, welcome. How are you today? So good. This is my time. It's Christmas, isn't it? It is. It's like movie nerd Super Bowl. I love it. <laughs> right. I, you know, I remember you doing the movies.com thing, and, and didn't you have a podcast out of your own apartment? I sure did. Yeah. That's super good memory because I that's how I started in all this. Like a podcast in my studio apartment, which led to me writing movie reviews, which led to me being a CNN correspondent, which led to me now being the senior editor at Rotten Tomatoes. And it's like, what? It's just one thing led to another, right? Truly. And I, I mean, I'm so lucky that my lifelong passion is something that I now get paid to do because it just it makes every day completely different. Like you just wake up and I'm like, oh my God, it's my life's purpose. And you can sing. <laughs> you, you were in the film business at one time? I worked a lot in reality TV and I am a former filmmaker. I, like I went to school, I was in the film department at UT Austin and then uh, I, but I have never made a feature. Like, uh, the longest film I made was for was TV length at 21 minutes. Um, side note, it was a musical, and it was great. <laughs> yeah. You really kind of know that side of the business, which isn't always the case with a lot of reviewers. Yeah, no, you know, not, not all of them have worked in the industry, but I'll tell you that, you know, I hear that a lot when, when people will say, oh, critics, usually this comes after they've given a movie a bad review, right? And somebody goes, oh, man, critics hate movies. Boo, critics. Critics would have to be the biggest masochists in the world if they hated movies, right? We yeah, need yeah. at least three movies a week. You must kind of do that begrudgingly at times because not everything is up to standard, is it? Well, and that's the difference is that instead of just being a movie fan, seeing only things you want to see, you have to see everything assuming that that's your assignment, right? Like you end up have you end up having to write a review for something that you might not choose to see on your own, but I believe because I do, I go into a movie with a great sense of hope. It's like you sit in that theater and you're waiting for the movie to start and you think, "God, I hope this is great. I hope that I'm seeing a movie that I'm talking about for months afterwards like Get Out, for instance." Right. I was very excited that Jordan Peele had directed a film because I was a big fan of Key and Peele on Comedy Central. Yes, same here. And I didn't know what to expect. I kind of stayed away from all of the comments and, and from people that had seen it at South by Southwest. And I was so pumped. I was so surprised. I loved it so much. And we kept talking about it for all of 2017. And then it ended up with Academy Award nominations. I was like, this is this gives me faith in the system. Did you go back and watch that film again another one or two times? I have seen it more than once. And my favorite thing about Get Out, in fact, is that you can watch it first just to enjoy it and see what happens. But then you can go back and you can watch it with specific goals in mind. Like you can watch it 
so for anybody that had the, the uninitiated, it's just a story about a black man who goes home to meet his white girlfriend's family. Right. And you watch it, you're surprised, but then when you watch it the second time, you can just look at his girlfriend's face, the whole movie, and you can watch that, and it's a new interpretation of the film. And I think that that shows so much expertise, so much attention to nuance. For a movie nerd like me, it just gets me so excited because so much care was put into that film. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. In fact, I've only seen it once, but I kind of ran that film over in my mind because there were so many different things that that you caught onto at really towards the end of the movie that it really became clear, but it was just unbelievable. And one of the questions I have for you is how does a guy like Jordan Peele, he's a known commodity, but how did he get that thing made? Because it just sounds, if you were to hand the script to a production company, they might read it and go, man, this is just all over the place. Sure. Well, I would be curious to know what his whole journey was. Yeah. I knew that he'd been working on it for a very long time, but, but eventually where it ended up was Blumhouse Pictures. And Jason Blumhouse is a producer that has a real nose for projects that can, that he figures can cost, he can keep costs low on, right? He doesn't have to spend a lot of money to make these films, but because they're mostly genre movies in the horror world, he knows that they'll make a certain amount back. And so their production model is so successful that I'm sure that he looked at Get Out as a script and we went, you know what, there's a lot of potential. It doesn't cost a bunch of money to make. And people are going to find it fun. And the script, it it must have been really exciting for him because it works just as a horror movie, but it also works as a commentary if you dig into it. And that's exactly the kind of stuff that he produces. You know, it's really, it's so cool to watch. And one of his bigger movies lately was the M. Night Shyamalan movie Split. Yeah. Which was also excellent. And you could see how it didn't cost a ton of money to make either because the movie was shot in essentially one location. And these kinds of things make a big difference when you're talking about how to get a film made. You talk about fresh new voices. The film Lady Bird is another favorite of mine. Greta Gerwig is so special. She's such a wonderful actress and now such a talented director. I'm so pumped that she was nominated in the director category. I don't think it's necessarily her year, but just the fact that she's there... She made this story that's very personal to her about a young girl growing up in Sacramento in high school. That's it. That's all the movie is. But it's so real. It's so touching. The relationship between Saoirse Ronan as the daughter and Laurie Metcalf as the mother, it's so, it's like, it's almost like a tangible thing. You can almost reach out and hug it. (laughs) Yeah. Gray Drake joins me from Rotten Tomatoes. Is there any doubt that Gary Oldman really will win the Best Actor? He has won every award leading up to the Oscars, so it's a great bet. But this is when I start to get a little nervous, because possibly the Academy voters think, it's fine, he's going to win, I'll let somebody else vote for him, and then they'll give their vote to another actor. And then there might be a huge upset, and it makes me a little nervous because I would love to recognize Gary Oldman, not only for this amazing role as Winston Churchill, 
But for all of the incredible work that he's done over the years, can you believe he's never won an Oscar? No, that's he's one of those people that you look, really, he didn't? I know, it's crazy. But if there was going to be an upset, boy, do people love the youngest nominee in that category, uh, Timothy Chalamet in Call Me By Your Name. He was so magnificent in that film. He's got a lot of good performances ahead of him. I think that he's got an Oscar on down the road, but... If there's going to be an upset, it's going to go to him. Otherwise, Oldman, just for his body of work, is a possibility, right? De- oh, definitely. God, I, I would, I would love to see him win. I, he's, he's so amazing. He, that movie. Listen, I'm American. I don't care about Winston Churchill as much as <laughs> some people might. Right. I'm just being. Dip- I'm just saying. <laughs> but that movie I thought was so captivating. It was from just start to finish. Cause I was ready to just, eh, if I'm not into this, I'll, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll turn it off of my DVD screener copy, but I did no such thing. I loved the movie. I thought it was really smart and surprisingly exciting for a movie that's about like a, like a prime minister. I'm like, what? How does that happen? Yeah, it was very interesting. And, and shows like The Crown, that series, just as interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Winston Churchill, as, as seen through the eyes of either Gary Oldman or John Lithgow, you know, is a pretty, he's a pretty interesting dude. So uh, maybe I should pick up a history book. You know, as far as best picture, I think everyone maybe was thinking, oh, well, coming into this, the post is a possibility. But I was left not, you know, that was kind of a so-so film, really, overall. Nice cast and everything. You know what's interesting about the post? It hasn't won any awards. And when I saw it, I actually had a different reaction than you did. I thought it was powerful. I thought it was very contemporary. Uh, with uh, with the subject of freedom of the press, I had people in my screening cheering. Admittedly, they were journalists. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't won a thing, and I wonder if it wasn't. It's not just too current. It feels a little bit like you're watching a nightly news broadcast, and it, it might not be resonating with people. And I actually don't think it's even on the. Um, it, it, I don't. I'm surprised it's actually nominated. On the other hand. What about Molly's Game, I, Tanya, or The Big Sick, which I just loved? Oh, I love The Big Sick. Yeah. It's nominated in the Best Original Screenplay category. It, I don't think that it's going to win against three billboards. But, I mean, if anybody out there hasn't seen the movie yet, it's streaming on Amazon. It's so touching. And unlike a lot of these like serious fancy pants Oscar movies, it's actually fun to watch. Great, you know, performances from everybody from Holly Hunter to Ray Romano. And let me ask you this. Does Get Out lose steam because it came out, what, basically a year ago, right? Yeah, exactly. It was February of 2017. And I think, in fact, it's only gained steam because we kept talking about it all year long. And the fact that it was actually nominated gave me faith in the system again because... It was, it worked. I love movies that are doing lots of jobs. So it works as a horror movie. As I said earlier, it works as a social commentary. It's very smart. And the fact that a little movie that just kind of pops onto the scene in the winter could be nominated for an Oscar, that's a good sign. I love that. I think that that's going to be the upset in that category of Best Picture. I'd love to see it win. It has really stiff competition against 
The Shape of Water, the movie where the lady falls in love with a fish. Right. <laughs> and three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Incredibly powerful, very emotional film. Starring yeah. Frances McDormand, who I believe will win Best Actress also. And what about Best Supporting Actor? Does Sam Rockwell have... A, I mean, it's such a tough category, isn't it, for Supporting Actor? This is one that I think is, has actually become hard to predict. Because Sam Rockwell has won all the awards. Willem Dafoe, at first, for The Florida Project, looked like he was going to win in this category. But he hasn't really gotten anything. And so... He didn't really have a shot until, in the Best Supporting Actor category, Woody Harrelson from the same movie as Sam Rockwell got nominated. And I suspect that what might happen in this category is that Three Billboards is going to split the the supporting actor vote, and Willem Dafoe might sneak in there and get a win, finally. I wouldn't have a problem with that at all. Either. And what about supporting actress? I mean, it's it's almost like Laurie Metcalf and Allison Janney are interchangeable. But I tell you, Allison Janney and I Tanya was just so powerful. I know she's so fun, so memorable, so terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Tanya Harding's terrible mother. Right. She really it's a memorable memorable role where she just got to go completely over the top and Allison Janney's such a talented actress I think that that's kind of the showy role as compared to Laurie Metcalf and Lady Bird which is a much more low-key mother she's a good mother she's right. an erotic mother but she's good and Allison Janney is just a mother <laughs> by the way have you heard has Nancy Kerrigan commented at all on this film uh uh, to my understanding, Nancy Kerrigan has told everyone, absolutely not. She has not seen this film. Yeah. Why in the world would she want to see that film? I think <laughs> it must be pretty surreal for her to see a story about this woman who's played such a kind of a, such a negative figurehead in her life, end up with a movie in the best comedy category <laughs> of the Golden Globe? Right. Are you kidding me? Right. By the way, Best Director, I have to say, I was not a big fan. I, I mean, I know Paul Thomas Anderson is not the most accessible out there, but I, I really, <laughs> I did not like Phantom Thread. Yeah, this one is, a, it's a, an odd one, and Daniel Day-Lewis, I think, is great. As usual, sure. so I'm fine with his nomination in the acting category, but Phantom Thread is, it's really an acquired taste, I think. And Paul Thomas Anderson's movies start to get less and less accessible in these past like few years. And Daniel Day-Lewis playing a fashion designer who's sort of linked in this really confusing relationship with his muse was... It left me feeling kind of cold as well. Yeah. Gray, it's always wonderful talking to you. I know this is your uh, your favorite time of the year, and, and I suggest everyone uh, check out your special on The Real Channel with uh, Leonard Malton and go to Rotten Tomatoes for the best reviews. Thank you so much. Oh, likewise. Thank you so much, Jim. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. There she goes. Some really tough categories this year, and Gray may very well be right about Sam Rockwell and Woody Harrelson canceling each other out for their roles in Three Billboards. We'll see how 
it goes Sunday night. And that brings us to the end of this episode of The Fake Show. I'm Jim Tofty. Thanks for stopping by, and I will see you next time. Take The Fake Show on the road by listening on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com.